Welcome to Unscripted Gaming. My name is Josh, joined as ever by my friends here, Ray and Mike. Hello. Hey, it's Mike. Gentlemen, how, are, doing, how are you doing? Uh, we're hanging in there. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff going on out there. Yeah, it's not a it's not a but slow news week in the slightest. No. Uh, both no, not, in the no. real world and the video gaming world. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, I think every uh, everything we said about the current ongoing situations, uh, the, the the big ones you're probably already thinking of, uh, I would say our comments are unchanged. Um, you know, please wear a mask, fuck the police, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And... I think we, with this story going on in games, we usually do our news after we kind of do our general chit-chatting, but we felt like this was a pretty important story that we needed to talk about initially, and I'm speaking, of course, about, uh, I think, to put it gently, or to I think to put it the most accurately, uh, um, just the games, and, and, and honestly, the comics industry, too, is are going through a just a... If what feels like a tidal wave of uh, allegations of sexual harassment and abuse in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah, it it's very interesting to see the you know I'm sure we'll discuss this as we keep going on, but like this this sort of delayed Me Too movement going on in the games industry. You know, there was a big push in film and TV and in a lot of other industries. You know, a year or so ago, um, but it seemed like the games industry was was pretty well insulated from that. But um, you know, in the last mm-hmm. few week week or two here, things have really started to now bo- you know boil over in the games industry, and and a lot of reports of um, you know sexual sexual misconduct and, and hostile work environments for women and, and lots of people have been really uh, coming to a head at a lot of major studios and, and developers. Yeah, like, um, I mean, just for example, the creative director, um, you know, following uh, accusations of multiple extramarital affairs with younger fans, has stepped down as the, uh, like I said, the, he, he was the creative director of the Assassin's Creed Valhalla mm. release coming this fall. Uh, Chris uh, Avalone, who is, you know, a, the writer of, you know, Fallout New Vegas and is a pretty well-known figure in like gaming circles as far as like writing for you know, he's been he's like one of the guys who's been around forever um, he had some allegations of uh, being a harassing shithead and he got called out for it and, and you know and I think uh, obviously there's as a, a blank check um I'm going to say that we uh, stand with the victims of all. We stand in solidarity with the victims of all uh, harassment in this case, and this is obviously unacceptable and is not. It's just. It, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go out and say, like, how does this keep happening? Because, like, uh, you know, it. that's just how this shit just happens, and it sucks. And these people, like, need to be held accountable for their actions because that's just is the fair thing to do. It's coming at all levels, too. Did you guys see that two Ubisoft executives just, like, stepped down after allegations? Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, that's straight to the top. 
And in the report for them stepping down, apparently they have been reported on from the Ubisoft HR for years. And the Ubisoft HR went out of its way to just sweep it under the rug, and I guess it all just came to a head because too many people came forward that too few days in between. Uh, that's fucked, right? Yeah. Uh, J- Jim it, Sterling did a whole video. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. And even just, you know, minutes before we were about to record this, uh, you know, some allegations came out against the, uh, you know, one of the leaders of EVO, uh, the fighting game tournament, um, and some pretty serious accusations there. There was accusations in, um, of a Smash Bros. tournament player um, who has uh, had some very inappropriate conduct as well. And yeah. because of that... Um, already marvel um or not marvel um mortal capcom and capcom, capcom and netherrealm have said that they are not participating in evo because of this so i imagine we're going to see it you know a tidal wave of like if you know how are you going to have an evo without uh i i saw i've seen a couple of fighting like fighting game teams and groups already say that they weren't weren't going to uh be attending because of this so it's really great it's crazy to see like how quickly that like capcom and Netherrealm like responded to this, which was I guess I guess heartening in a weird way. Well, they Evo was already these... sorry. Evo was always already going to be weird this year because the the in person event is canceled, obviously with the coronavirus. Um, but even still, it's um, like uh, yeah, it's interesting to see them re- respond to this so quickly. I mean, it's it, this is one of those situations where regardless of you, if you take the cynical view of like they just want they don't want to be part of the PR nightmare of being tied to Evo right now as, as this all shakes out, or you take the optimist view of, like, they legitimately want to stand in solidarity with the people who have brought these allegations forward. Mm-hmm. Either way, it, it shines a light on folks who tend to commit these acts and say, you, you cannot hide, or the culture that allowed for this to continue for decades in the games industry and in, in all really yeah. facets of life is not going to stand anymore you know it's it's one of those if you fuck up and you do <clears throat> these terrible things there will be real consequences for it both you know financially at a a company level and, and also you know potentially personally through litigation yeah. and, 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 and criminal and criminal so. yeah because um, I mean, that's what, because uh, I, I don't want to undersell the the actions here. I think part of the reason why the reaction around Evo was so quick because the CEO of Evo has been accused of uh, paying underage people for for pictures, um, and mm-hmm. uh, which is like that is criminal. That is like what the fuck. That's that's something it's, I. Yeah, that's. 100% illegal in every respect and that's a yeah, and it's very just, serious it's, allegation exactly and it's just so I appreciate like I think it is you know it's kind of disheartening to see how you know how much work we have to do but I think in things like this knowing how much how far we have to go and knowing how much needs to be done to support mm-hmm women lgbtq people of color in like workplaces like this you know in games and games media and and everything like that um 
I think knowing how much work we have to do is better than thinking everything's fine when it's absolutely not the case. So I want to talk on that topic a tiny bit. There's the narrative that's been going around for the past, I want to say, like, couple years of, like, too many people are involved with the concept of cancel culture, which is you found up doing something where you fucked up once or twice in your life, or, hell, you decided to get on Twitter in 2009 and you didn't know what the filter was. You, like, you didn't have an emotional mm-hmm. or a word filter. Y- y'all know who I'm talking about. I don't need to drop names. Um, Josh. Um, <laughs> no. I, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. That's a hundred percent a joke. I don't even know if Josh had a Twitter in like two years ago. I don't think he did. I'm gonna delete. I should, probably, I should probably go delete some old tweets because they're honestly probably just like cringe. I mean, I actually are probably really bad, just song lyrics that I did. You know, not nothing too sad. Hell yeah. Just, you know, just like ugh. Mine are probably just like ugh finals. Oh, Taylor uh, Swift, you can explain my emotions the best here. Eh. I will own up that I absolutely 100% deleted my MySpace. Like, once someone at work said, what's with these cringy pictures you have? And I'm like, yeah, that's gone. And <laughs> that's immediately gone. And I actually advise that. I, I co-sign everyone to delete their MySpace right here, right now. Because tell you what, if you're in my age group, it ain't good. None of it was probably good. You probably said some dumb shit. Man, I remember the MySpace. Like, the, the debate I was having was like, man, do I have to put my family at the, at the top of my best friends list? Oh, my gosh. Will I get in trouble if I don't? Because, I forgot like, that. I forget Katie that was, was My sister is so annoying. Do I have to put her at the top of my list? Uh, I don't think I had my family at the top of my list. I did not. Oh, okay. No, my so, yeah, family that's was not what popular. I did. Okay. I felt bad I think that was it. a. I think I that was a point of contention in my household, but, um, you know. But, but, but the thing I was anyway. getting at is... um. People will look at old shit like that and say, like, oh, this person said this back in, like, 2006. They gone and, you know, leave it at that. Or, uh, something more important, like, this is where cancel culture kind of turns the wheel. Someone, like, sexually abused someone and they kept doing it and they did it within their own power of rank and structure in a community... Yeah, that's not cancel culture. That's, um... Being held accountable for your fucked up actions. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I don't like when people lump this in with cancel culture. Yeah. There there is something to be said about digging up someone's dumb shit that they did, like, when they were 23 or 19 or 16 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and so, and and kind of extrapolate that and kind of going into just into media in general, like, I don't know how much you guys followed any of the, the stuff that has been happening at Condé Nast and, and specifically like Bon Appetit in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. here. I saw a couple um, No, of no, I have not. So I'm a huge Bon Appetit fan. Really brought up my cooking game in the last year or so. Love their YouTube content. Um, you know, their holiday issue is what I cooked for Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. Like, it's been a pretty important part of my life. The editor-in-chief, Adam Rappaport, a few weeks ago, uh, there was a picture that surfaced of him from 10 years ago or so dressed, you know, as a Puerto Rican for Halloween. You know, in and of itself, a cringy picture, inappropriate. But on top of that, there were lots of allegations of a culture of sexism and racism that happened at Bon Appetit and Condé Nast. 
and um, like just not paying uh, yeah. like people of color who are on camera the same way they were paying yeah, like, white you people. Yeah, like you know, basically making token hires to bring on camera to show like, oh, we have a diverse group of, of editors and contributors here and, and look at all the people of color that are on f screen, but not a single one of those people of color had a named show or a contract or were actually compensated for their time. Like they, they did a whole Thanksgiving episode series and the one non-white person on that series was not compensated for her time on that that sh that you know five episode show you so like you know it. it's it's one thing to say like oh hey cancel culture is trying to get somebody fired who did you know some sort of inappropriate racist things 10 years ago yeah it's another when that is tied to allegations and evidentiary immediate direct like compensation like, yeah, changes like, that are I am, in the I am the editor-in-chief and, and people hire in Condé Nast as, a, as the organization over all of these uh, magazines and, and media who are perpetuating a racist, sexist, in a, you know, unfair working environment um, just kind of goes to – it's one of those other things that says like, okay, this is just showing who this person is. It's not just saying, hey, they were dumb – and in the 2000s and didn't know what social media was. It's just, this is just the kind of person that they are and they don't have any business serving in a position of power continuing. You know, there are plenty of other people out there who could do their job better without these undertones of racism mm -hmm. and sexism rather than just saying like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to change. Like, y you had your shot and you lost it. Get mm -hmm. out. You're absolutely right. This is completely different from the other. Actually, I'll use a recent example. So there is a news story, and it actually happened in Ohio, so closer to some people here. Uh, it was a, a guy went to a Little Caesars to pick up a pepperoni hot and ready, like you do. I did it last week. Absolutely Sometimes does. you got to have the slop, okay? I'm not going <laughs> to say it's good pizza. Yeah, you you paid six dollars. Ready? You exactly, exactly. You paid six dollars for that pie. Don't expect anything great from it. You're getting the pizza. Um, hey, it has through, cheese. It, it it might have something called cheese on it. Tell you what, <laughs> pizza has a high floor anyway. Right? Little Caesars did nothing to me to worry us dunking on them for a solid minute. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Anyway, I, this is a full throated endorsement. This is not dunking in the slightest. Uh yeah yeah exactly um anyway so guy goes picks up a hot and ready from his family pays his six seven bucks gets out brings it home what's he find the pepperonis are in the shape of a swastika <laughs> let's talk about that now <laughs> this is something where this is on topic of like those two people that were working that little Caesars yes they were fired what well, Mike can't help himself. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, that was my bad, guys. I forgot about that. I forgot I did that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's hilarious. Because he said him and his wife were just aghast at... <laughs> Can we just pause for a second and just, like, imagine yourself in that situation? No, I can't! <laughs> you come home with hot and ready, and you're like, alright, fam, let's fucking have our pizza Nazis! Nazi! 
He said him and his wife were aghast just, and they didn't know what to do for a full 30 seconds. Okay, just question. Just like, question. Just the whiplash is insane do, there. Do you eat the swastika? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe you, like, move the pepperoni around a little bit just so you don't have to, like, think about it that much. But you still eat it. So here's... Or ask for another one. So, uh, okay, I'm glad you got to that. They immediately tried to call the restaurant they got it from because that's understandable. Uh, but they picked up the hot and ready at like 10 p.m., so the restaurant was already closed. So they posted it on social media, cause that went well. Um, I'm sure for the Little Caesars social media team. Um, VP of the company calls the store where they got it from. The two people that did it, they owned up to it, fired on the spot. Obviously, obviously. Yeah. Um, you got to go, buddy. But here's something interesting. They didn't release the names of the people that they fired. And I hope they don't because I bet they were kids. And this is what I was getting at. These are two probably idiots that might grow up to be contributing members of society. And there's a strong argument to say that your brain isn't even done developing until you're 25 years old. So I want to, in my heart of heart, believes that these were two edgelord kids, whether they're yeah, male or female. Yeah, just doing it for the memes. Yeah, and they're doing it for the memes, and they probably posted it to 4chan or something like that, and then they're like, lol, got fired, <laughs> I don't have a job during a pandemic. Like, I don't know, they're, they're probably hurting from that, who knows, but that's the type of people where I'm like, yes, yeah. those people don't need to be cancelled per se, even though it was hyper-recent, I'm hoping yeah, that they were just like dumb kids. I think, like, sometimes, like, I really don't want to go on a whole dire tide about, like, quote, cancel culture, unquote, because that's the most boring shit possible. <laughs> but, like, I think there is, I think at a certain point, like, you know, if you get canceled, like, and you get fired from your job, like, are you, can, what if you, can you get a new job? Or will, the, does the new company just have to fire you again? Like, are you just expected to not make any sort of living anymore? Like, I think that there's definitely a. De I think you have to go into kind of like a. I mean, there's like a huge. There's like a lot of stuff to dig into here. Like, I think you know some. I guess I kind of understand like when people talk out of like the side of their mouth or say something stupid, on Twitter, and their job part of their job is being a Twitter personality, and then they get fired for it. Like, I feel bad for them, but like your job is to like, write the New York Times food blog, and <laughs> when uh, you say dumb like you, when you say dumb things about famous people who do cooking stuff mm -hmm. that's a, a good way that 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 will get you fired yeah that does so it's just and i think you have to there's a, also a difference again like between uh yeah i guess just to, like circle back you know yeah, yeah. there's a there's a the really easy solution to um the easiest solution to solving harassment in the workplace is for people to stop being sex pests. Uh, the yes. second easiest solution, if people refuse to stop being sex pests, is for people to report the sex pests so they get fired for being sex pests. No, I want to go a step further. Um, you, everything you said was true. I, I want to add on to that. Uh, HR accountability. There, there apparently is a large mm -hmm. breakdown with uh, human resources that have been just 
like Riot's bad about this. Ubisoft is bad about this. Apparently, um, what's the name of the studio that just made The Last of Us? It's escaping me at the moment. Naughty Dog. Naughty, Naughty Dog. Dog. Apparently, they have really bad culture about this as well. When people are, oh hell, uh, Bioware. When people are having what is it? Str- they're getting uh, stress casualties. That's it. Where they're just falling out and they're reserving reserving a meeting room and outlook just to cry. It's like your your job as HR is yeah. to stop this bullshit, and there's a I failure mean, there yeah. at that point. I think at a but at a certain point, I think you like part of the challenge with like like as I said, report sex pests. Like part of the challenge of that is the the fact that HR is there to protect the company, and if it <sighs> yeah, and, and especially if you're being if the person who is harassing you or worse at your workplace is a higher up who hr doesn't hr like makes the cost benefit analysis there and it's like oh well, let's you know get rid of the little person and not the big person here which is super fucked up yeah. and is a problem across every industry every workplace from top to bottom and that is i working i think that is one of the hardest parts of kind of shaping that like you know shaping kind of like the me too movement into broader actionable um actionable uh changes for you know working women is how do you how do you take on the company hr without getting fired and losing your livelihood and that is i think one of the biggest challenges of all of, of fixing a lot of this culture I got an idea for this, and this is based on one of the companies I worked for before. I won't say who, but they had it so that the HR person, they were in the office every day. Uh, you saw them every day. Uh, they had their door, they had the open door policy so long as they weren't with someone. But that HR person did not work for that company. They actually worked for a, they were considered a business partner and they were part of a third party group. So the HR strictly did not collect a check from the uh, company that they were overseeing. That way mm-hmm. it didn't create that feedback loop that you're talking about, which does absolutely exist 100%. And this was just a way that they went about tackling it just to prevent yeah, that. And I thought that's, that's really smart. I feel like that something like that is pretty smart. It was definitely a good first step. Yeah, I mean that that is definitely one of those situations where having a neutral third party or you know as neutral as you can is is a really beneficial um, because they don't you know they don't have any loyalty to anybody. They just have you know a job and the duty to do what is right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think this is this is one of those moments where. So, I think more and more industries are just tackling the fact that people are recognizing that they have a voice and that there are there are platforms to share their stories, share their experiences, not just of, you know, sexual misconduct or uh, gender disparity, but also, you know, racial, you know, racial disparities, pay disparities, you know, everything is coming to a head across multiple industries and you know this is a really good time to just say like hey share your story don't stay silent work with your coworkers and and share your salaries and and you know find out what each other makes you know i work in a very unique industry with being in sales like we all know how much everybody makes because like we all just make 
the same amount based on however much we sell like we make the same percentage essentially and like mm -hmm. but more people should know what their coworkers make because not every job is, yeah. is like mine um where you you know the, the more you know the better you are at negotiating either on your own behalf or collectively, collectively. and yeah. saying like hey we all deserve better or you know this group of my colleagues deserve better they deserve the same as me at the very least you know that that kind of conversation about yeah. pay about race about sexuality and sexual misconduct and sexual assault like all of those conversations are something that we need to be open to listening to and acting upon in yeah all and I think areas of life yeah and i think like a final a kind of final thought i have on this like definitely you like i was gonna say like you know workers should collect the visage but um i mean even if you're on the more management end like do you know what's a great way to not have your ass hanging out on twitter when something ha dumb happens about your company is like if you have you know a diverse diverse staff and diverse workforce uh, they'll catch a lot of the stupid stuff that you think is okay mm -hmm. because that's what their experience is like having you know i don't know necessarily know this but like um miles morales's hair looks really good in the new spider-man trailer and it did not look that way in the first spider-man game so i don't want to make any assumptions here but i feel like some people of color took a look at that and were like, no, this is how you have to like model hair correctly for like people who are black. It, yeah. it just, it is, there's a different way you do build this, but like having, it's a great preventative because, you know, having a more diverse staff will keep you, will, will catch a lot of, catch a lot of this and this shitty culture, dumb decisions will nip a lot of this stuff in the bud. And, uh, I don't think you should have a, a monetary re justification for having a diverse and well uh, and a, a happy culture in your workplace, but it's pretty good for your bottom line when you're not getting dragged on Twitter for something that is <laughs> was completely preventable. You'll also just get better stories and better art and better media because you are yeah. having a more diverse and more robust voice. Maybe you capture a part of the market and, and an audience that you never did before because you're telling the story about somebody who's never seen their story portrayed in media before because it's you know there weren't as many people telling that story like exactly d diversity and inclusion just makes everybody better because we all come from different backgrounds and have different experiences and different stories to share and when people are given the opportunity to do that it, it's only good for everybody I agree. Like, I'm going to disagree well. with any of that. <laughs> yeah, Ray, what you going to say about that, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm the one that's wow, against Josh. diversity in the workplace. Yeah, wow. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, I, I don't wow. get it. Josh, you're canceled. Very <laughs> sus. Uh, well, I think that was about... I think that was a pretty good bow on that, for at least for now, of this continuing discussion. We'll probably talk more, as I bet we'll have... You know, Evo is probably just going to be full on canceled by the time you hear this. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, Ray, Ray's going to get this uh, this done, and Evo's going to put out an announcement. Yeah, so we fucked up, and okay, not this year. So everyone, pause. Ray edited in 
edited in a separate part after the fact to note that uh, Evo was in fact canceled right in that clip you just heard. So, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> I do uh, want to say that uh, an Evo without Street Fighter, that's not Evo. There's been exactly the the reason why like, Evo exists you, is because of Street Fighter. The, 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 that's I was okay with no Smash Brothers because that only made sense. <laughs> God, uh, that Neko man. Oh, it's, it's so, so bad. bad. <laughs> the Lucina just went through my sword. Yeah, you what guys, is that? You guys don't know what we're talking Terrible. about, but Mike was online and he shared with us Terrible. a clip. I'll have to tweet that from our account just to like just see just so people know the horror. Please do. I'll do that. But no... Mortal Kombat 11 I'm actually okay with because I don't consider that a fighting game. Come at me, fight me. <laughs> <laughs> but no Street Fighter, that's where you I caught... You consider Smash Bros. a fighting game but not Mortal Kombat? Oh, that's odd. I've, I've that's made, I, that's the hottest of takes, I guess, because... That's the, that is a... That's a take. This is a hill I'm willing to die on also. I will consider I, I'm Smash I'm pretty Brothers. sure you will die on that. You're right. <laughs> that is a hill you will die on. I, I didn't know we started you. the bad take hour here at Unscripted Gaming. <laughs> you mean the best take hour? No, I absolutely will consider Smash Brothers more of a fighting game than Mortal Kombat 11. What's more of a fighting game? Uh, Mortal Kombat or Mario Party? Oh, Mortal Kombat, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a line, sir. Back, what's a better fighting game, Backyard Baseball or Mortal Kombat? Okay, again, it's Mortal Kombat. Listen, when, when I say Mortal Kombat is not the same fighting game as Smash Brothers, I mean Smash Brothers is way more of a better fighting game than Mortal Kombat 11, specifically. I didn't know Ray was going to find a way to get himself canceled, but... <laughs> I don't know about Come that, Come at me! No, it, I, I, I Mortal actually... Mortal Kombat 11 is so good, though. There's never been a Mortal Kombat game I've played that I liked. Than Mario, uh, Smash Bros. Damn. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just trying even... to calibrate. I was just... Uh, okay, what's a better fighting game? Solitaire or... Uh, um, <laughs> uh, Mortal Kombat? <laughs> I will admit that all the games you listed before except Mario Party because I fucking hate every Mario Party game that's ever been made all of those games that you have already mentioned I would rather play than any Mortal Kombat game I just what? Okay. I don't like them as a fighting game I that's that's just me I think they are very bad fighting games Okay, Street Ray, Fighter Ray, all day long. We're, what, what, what? We're, you're among Damn. friends here. Who hurt you in Mortal Kombat? That gave you such a <laughs> bad feeling about it. No, I hate the button combinations. I hate the spacing. I hate the combos that it does. I hate the jumping physics. I Actually, I despise the jumping physics in every Mortal Kombat game. Just hate them so much. I definitely like prefer the more traditional, like, you know, Street Fighter style of input, but... uh. Yeah, I can't. That's a, that's a take. Well, man. stay tuned that's, for our new something. feature. That's Josh makes Ray play through every single Mortal Kombat, including the standalone <sighs> single-player game. I thought thing. you were going to say the movie. I'm like, this. <laughs> this actually goes back to the topic so, of workplace the abuse. Actually, really good. So, the Mortal Kombat fits into this. Um, to work at NetherRealm Studios and to be one of their character artists, they don't force you, but they highly, highly, highly advise that you watch actual gratuitous death where people are dying on the camera 
Yeah. To properly model the gratuitous X-ray death scenes and fatalities in Mortal Kombat games. Yeah, I don't know I've how many years some... they've been doing this, but they've been doing it for a long time, and there have been mass reports of workplace PTSD because, fuck, man. Yeah. It's just like, imagine, like, logging into your, like, work intranet and the, your homepage is live leak. Mm. Like, don't get me... like, uh, another day at the office... Don't get me wrong, I've seen some fucked up videos on the internet. Like, I might have seen a de- Okay. Open- Right, right. Right. I'm just telling you one example that most people have seen. Okay, okay. In 2007, I saw the video of Saddam Hussein getting hung. Most people have seen that. Yeah, they played that on CNN. That's fine. Did they really? I don't know. <laughs> I think they at least played up, like, the- the build-up to it. I don't know if they actually showed the actual act, but, you know. But I'm saying, like, if you constantly watch videos of people getting, you know, killed, that fucks with you after a while. And yeah. doing that to make a fucking video game, that's not worth it. That's never worth it. Yeah. So, that, I don't know. That's just, that's going back to the workplace abuse type of thing. I think that's a once again to my hatred of Mortal Kombat, it, uh, it fucks with people. I didn't even yeah, know well, that. Well, that just adds well, on top know, like, of the pile. Yeah, that's well, yeah, like, and, well, it's better than, like, you know, at Nintendo to make Smash Bros. They force you to play Star Fox. It's, just, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a horrifying procedure. You, you have, no, no, you have to play Star Fox Zero. Oh, I'm the only one here Damn. that's played that, haven't I? Oh, I'm the only one that's suffered. I, I didn't have um, a Wii U. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> don't, don't, don't play. Don't I miss the Miiverse. I, I, I miss the Mii music. It was cute. Um, well, folks, yeah, what kind of games have you guys been playing lately? Actually, uh, before we get into that, since we're like 40 minutes into this. Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about the uh, the two pieces of gaming news I have here. One of them Mike brought yes. up, and one of them Josh brought up. So we're kind of switch it in here. Yeah. So, so first one, the one Josh brought up. Kind of Mike brought it up. Uh, NBA 2K... Oh, hello, what twenty one? Twenty one is gonna is gonna experiment with a seventy dollar uh game. I'm like, yeah, okay, for, we're, here we go. Or PS five and Xbox One. Here we go. Someone's gonna try it. And you know what? This, I as I was telling you guys before, this might be the only company that actually tries it and probably gets away with it. I you know I I think that this is gonna be. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, depending on what anger you're talking about, it probably a new normal. Um, I want to say, wasn't mm -hmm. it the PS1 to PS2 Switch era when PS1 games were like forty nine ninety nine, and I think you know N64 games were like forty nine ninety nine, but then PS2 games and GameCube games went to fifty nine ninety nine. Like I've I, feel like that was the year when that happened no i could tell you exactly when that happened because it made it broke news much like we're talking about this 70 dollar hike right now gears of war on the xbox 360 was the first game to charge 60 dollars for a game yeah that uh yeah. Po post the snes era because remember in the snes days those cartridges were not cheap uh the no, original star 80 bucks yes yeah, so the original star fox was 80 to 90 dollars People forget this. <laughs> to be fair, Star Fox had an extra graphics chip on the cartridge, so, you know. 
you're not wrong and that did for new technology at the time that does justify something but on this format it doesn't mean anything no. Yeah, and how uh, Cliff or Bl- Cliffy B, Cliff Blazinski pitched it is you're not just getting a $60 game. You're getting a $60 premium experience that you've never experienced before. Well worth the extra $10 that you paid. Credit to him, it worked. Well worth. He, It, it became a billion-dollar franchise, so who am I to shit-talk him? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um in his giant mansion and private jet. Yeah, yeah, Clippy B is going to listen to anything I'm going to fucking say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on one hand, I'm of the mind of, like, we are increasingly asking for, you know, on the console side at least, cheaper boxes and more affordable boxes, but more powerful boxes that these companies are often taking very little mm-hmm. profit margin or losses on asking for more online services, asking for companies to maintain games longer, whether or not that's through a, you know, a subscription of some kind, through a season pass, um, anything like that. And, you know, those prices have been steady for 10, 15, 20 years now. Like, how many other prices can you think of in your life that have remained that constant for that long for you know your typical item your you know your typical triple a video game you know most other things in your life don't stay that constant price or if they do you know typically the company makes less of it or you you know something the quality changes in some way if you're going to keep paying the same price over an extended period of time and and ostensibly games have gotten more complex they've gotten bigger they've gotten more um People more, just expect more out of them. More gorgeous. Like, they, you know, people play the game that they get longer typically now. So, like, you're you're asking to get more mileage out of it. So, on one hand, I'm like, Ugh, ten more dollars. That's sucks. But also, I'm on the other hand, I'm like, it, it kind of makes sense and is probably a little overdue for the industry. Um, a retort, and my retort is one: two K is not a broke company. The, the, they're doing pretty all right. Two, this is not the game series where you need to make the case that they're having low profit margins. NBA 2K games charge you actual money for haircuts of your players. I don't want to hear about how they're going broke for $60. No. As a matter of fact, this is the same game. Uh, Hold on, let me finish real quick. This is the same game where last year... They were advertising it with a trailer, and they actually had slot machines. Actual fucking slot machines. Blackjack. They had, like, casino things. And you're like, yeah, this is what they're coming in. Loot boxes and everything. The, what they do is they just microtrans... Uh, what certain larger games will do is they'll just microtransaction it to the hilt to where you're not even getting mm-hmm. a full experience anymore. You, you get, like, a basketball game and the shell of it. So, yeah... Like, I think that's the part of this that, like, I think, like, I agree with, like, what Josh said. It's been it's been 15 years since, um, you know, it jumped to from 50 to 60. I, I'm i no as expert in, in inflation, but I have a feeling that $70 in 2020 is probably still pretty close to $60 in 2005. Um... But I think definitely it, it does kind of sting just because 
I think so many games are built around are are built. You know, I think it, it's almost kind of harsh that it, it's almost kind of rude that 2K is the first example here because they have notoriously leaned in super hard into microtransaction stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and but kind of like what I was saying earlier about about this, um, and like what Josh said, like more people, I think. I feel like people play fewer. It almost seems like this kind of pri- like this kind of pricing, and especially while continuing, because I'm not going to be like, oh, like now that we can sell games for seventy or for for like seventy dollars, now we don't need microtransactions anymore. Like they're not they're not going to they're not going to turn that off. It's no, like, it's almost like this is like a kind of like a pivot to like finding like kind of building like the long term player for your game like that's who they're kind of that's how they're kind of pivoting this towards like it's not about like how many copies you sell in the first two weeks anymore it's about like the longevity Mm -hmm. of it and how many people you have checking in weekly how many people you're buying the microtransactions how many people you get on the season pass like yeah well so i i don't want to sound like i was completely like positive on this like i'm definitely Mm -hmm. not like i can understand in one sense where this is coming from but like the cynical side of me is like you know 2k is doing this with the basketball game because that's something that's guaranteed to sell so like when you see something like this still selling gangbusters at 70 dollars a pop that just gives other people you know the kind of green light to start doing that on other games and other developers and publishers um you know, I'm also kind of cynical of like, I understand that like the whole Kobe died this year thing really big for basketball and sports, but having the Kobe, you know, the Mamba edition featuring a big poster of Kobe Bryant for a hundred dollars. Like, you know, they're going to sell a lot of that. And like, again, yeah, there's a part of me where like, yes, you want to honor Kobe and his legacy and, and what he did for the game. But also like, you can't just help be cynical about like, you're yeah, also I think just profiting off of his memory during a global pandemic where people are looking for any sort of comfort and any sort of normalcy in their lives. So like, you know, people's <clears throat> budgets are tighter than they've ever been and but they're gonna want the you know, they're gonna want the Kobe edition yeah. and they're gonna want and something to make them feel better during all this. So like it just yeah, it and feels I think nasty. I think also because I am very skeptical that an increase of uh, the uh, assuming like the revenue does increase of a game sale of like a game sale like say the game you know a game hypothetically sells the same number of copies so there's more revenue I'm going to assume that that doesn't necessarily translate into a massive pay increase like, take home for a lot of the workers and devs who are, you know, notoriously crunched in a lot of across the industry. I am I think that is you know, I think uh I guess I'm really curious to see like if it this will become standard, like how that kind of plays out. I, I yeah. think it's brave. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna steal the Apple phrase. It's so brave of them Bold. to have a price hike of games during a recession. Don't get me wrong, not everyone is feeling the impacts of the recession, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people that played 2K on the on the DL, they probably 
wouldn't want to pay an extra ten bucks for one of their favorite game series, you know? Yeah. For for no for on. nothing else. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, you know, maybe the PS five and the Xbox Series X will all tank and, you know, everybody will still keep playing on their PS fours and their Xbox ones. I mean I doubt it. But you never know. You never That'll know. That'll be a fun twist. Yeah. That so. would be an interesting twist. Uh Next story I saw here, actually Mike brought this up. Amazon Games actually released two games relatively recently. New World, uh, I don't, actually I take that back, I don't think New World is actually out yet. But it did release a game called Crucible, and uh, last time the Steam count of this game was checked, it was at 160 players. So, Uh not doing great. And they took it back from release back to closed beta. If you own the game Crucible, you actually are in the closed beta, so you can give the developers feedback. So you and the 160 people that <laughs> You and were, 159 other people get to... You and the, you and the boys. <laughs> That's awful. Uh, you guys yeah, get like a, like a, a game those. dev... Uh, they have an AMA on the subreddit, and the game dev logs in. There's like three people, and he's like, Hello, sharks. Look, <laughs> I uh, that all those all those hundred and you know sixty some odd people all need to get credit on the game uh, once it actually comes back out if it ever does because yeah, uh, like they're developers at this it's, point. It's <laughs> kind of impressive. I'm not gonna lie that like Amazon made a video game, and this is basically the first thing I've heard about this ever. They had no marketing push. Just. I, I, it's almost, I mean, almost like it's like they kind of just did this to like build, get like a studio and build some sort of tech or something. Like, I mean, was it? I'm going to assume that this has just been a write, a huge write off for them anyway. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I that's the only logical was it explanation. Like, I, like, what, what was their logic? Was it a, you know, proof of concept for Amazon Lumberyard? I think was their like game development platform. No, like, no, no. Were, so, the game was being made in earnest. Like, they've been working on this game for three years. You can go back and see some E3 announcement about it and see them, like, working on character models. You know those uh, trailers where they show off the devs just kind of working on the game passively in the background. Yeah, but uh, I just the, don't recall this at all. The scuttlebutt... I know, because it probably flew under your radar like it flew under everyone's radar. You're not the only one, trust me. The scuttlebutt <laughs> is that... With everyone staying in their homes and them noticing that, oh my gosh, people are staying inside playing video games. Video games are making gangbuster money. Release it. Release it now. Clearly it's not done. <laughs> it was not a finished game at all. So uh, this is what we got. People got in. People played it. And some people said, I'd like to have my money back, please. It looks good. Amazon Lumberyard is not a horrible-looking engine, and uh, congrats on making it look good. Uh, the game's not balanced. Uh, there's a squirrel or bunny-type character. Uh, if you've ever played a mobile before, some of the lingo I may use maybe a Timo, a t- kind of yeah, it's kind of like the Yordle, everyone's favorite Yordle Timo. They can, except they actually can warp, and there's no cooldown on their warp from going from one section of the map to the other. Well- and they apply oh. a dot to you, a de- uh, damage over time effect from their gun. So like, whoop, boop, 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 and they're just all over the map. <laughs> and uh, one reviewer had this video footage playing, and he's he said, 
What is wrong with this character? Why would you not pick this character? <laughs> Give me a reason why! And so there's their basic mode, which only has three enemy types in it. That's it. It has a giant rhino, it has a flying bug, and it has like a stationary bug. But that's it. It has three enemy types, and you play whole 40-minute matches like that. It has a... 40-minute... Uh, oh my god. Yeah, it's a MOBA-type game. They, they can last the minute. Uh, there is a 2v2v2v2. It's an eight-player battle royale. I don't know what they were thinking with that one. Uh, That's just called Team Deathmatch. <laughs> yeah, but you can't respawn. Ha-ha! <laughs> so then it's just four-team Counter-Strike. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Except there are two people, and it's... Very, very not interesting. And then there's a regular deathmatch mode. And none of them all work well with the... The character kits are not balanced to any specific mode. So when you have three completely different frames of mind, some character kits make more sense in one mode than the other. For instance, if you gave me... If we were playing Overwatch, just a game everyone's familiar with, I would never take Bastion into a Battle Royale mode. That's dumb. That is the worst possible pick. I would clearly pick like Soldier Seventy Six or some or no, Farrah you or something. can't pick Bastion for uh, uh, Death Battle Royale. That's how do you survive on your own? How you can't do that? You have no healing. Haha, <laughs> Bastion go burr. That Bastion heals very easily. But he oh, he does have a heal. That's right. Yes, he does. That's no, so prepared. That's so broke. God. That's yeah, Bastion's so great in Overwatch. Overwatch's regular ass mode. He's he's my Man, favorite character. It, I, I'm gonna say this, and it hurts my soul. <laughs> but Bastion Ganondorf is the Bastion of. <laughs> <laughs> he really is, and it's it just it. It hurts my soul, but it, it's true. Can you imagine if Ganondorf had like some really difficult to pull off self heal? That would don't, be don't awful. Me, don't you made my heart stop? Don't do that. The, uh, Ganondorf was like, Hah! and he threw down a bottle with a fairy in it, and he got some health. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. Uh, Good luck to the folks at Amazon for making uh, Anthem two. Um, yeah, yeah, seriously, I, I hope they do re-release Crucible. By the way, give it another name. Anytime you Google search Crucible game, you're getting Destiny. What the Crucible? Were you, what were you guys thinking? Every time I hear Crucible, I think Shacks, and that's the correct thing to do. <laughs> hear otherwise. Yes, the the Chad Shacks, as we all know and love him. <laughs> Brightly colored helmet so you can see your death coming. <laughs> Made it with royalty. Mm. What did the drifter do? Mm. Gets cucked by the nine on the regular. Uh, yeah, hey, it's <laughs> really but he's not an agent of Sabathin, okay. so he's better. Hey, mm, he's not. He, he, yeah, he's smart enough to not have a ancient evil dragon skull above him that is whispering sweet nothings to him. Okay, while we're on Destiny lore, Destiny does this thing, and I and I feel like Mike has fallen for it hard. Destiny uh -huh. always threatens to do something super interesting, and they never do it. They never hey. carry that ball over yep. the line. Yep. I, uh, I, uh, I want to say something about that. Okay. So, the, I did want to actually talk a little bit about Destiny because... Please. The big new thing, I guess, like, the big kind of content drop this season is, like, a new dungeon, 
Uh, dungeons are like three-player raids, basically. Um, and there's a new dungeon out, and this one's called Prophecy. And it kind of takes place in like a nine-style realm, and um, there's a lot of weird, trippy, like uh, kind of very like ethereal. It's it doesn't look like anything else in Destiny, and it's super fun. But I think that it's like you were. I I definitely understand what you're saying, and I think that is kind of I I need some of these these plot lines to go somewhere and conclude. Mm-hmm. I think that's a hundred percent a legit criticism. But I, this dungeon gives me hope that they are going to turning the corner on that stuff because I think I've explained it here previously, but um, Josh wasn't here when I did. So uh, this fall, Destiny is what they're doing is they're sunsetting some locations and they announced this before the season and before this dungeon was live. So like, uh, just just to give you a quick update, Josh. So like Titan... Io, Mercury, Mars, um, uh, the Leviathan. I feel like there's another planet I'm forgetting. I think that's all of them. The Tangled Shore. No, I'm kidding. I'm no, Tangled Shore is staying. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. All of those locations are going to be gone. Yeah, they're just going to put them in the they're, vault. They're go. They're going in the vault, and that's kind of weird. But in this dungeon, like I said, the dungeon is called Prophecy. And in part in, in this dungeon, you go to a part called the Wasteland. And in the Wasteland, like you do like a little puzzle to open up the next encounter. And in the Wasteland, there's like very clear architecture. And it's like, oh, that's the that's the Pyramidian from Io. Just like dropped in the sand like that's the command center from mars just like just buried in like this waste like that's kind of it like it is it's, it's a necessary change I, I think like i kind of understand yeah. the change why they're making it but like it's really i kind of just thought they were just gonna like disappear and no one would ever just be like oh we don't go there anymore there's, there's nothing there anymore but like to see them know like kind of work that change it very much it clearly implies that like that change is gonna happen something is gonna happen to those planets in the game such that it makes them uninhabitable and unavailable in a way that feels i guess like it's a really cool blending of like the mechanics of building this like trying to continue a life of in this game till 20 at least 2022 with a game that came out in 2017 without just expanding the file size indefinitely and also building that into really interesting changing in world in the story itself. Yeah, that's, and my, my frustration with, with destiny two has been kind of what you were talking about with this. They keep adding, these little story threads and more and more lore and more and more plot threads and and don't ever seem to be going anywhere so like you yeah. end you end destiny 2 proper with this like overarching sense of like accomplishment but also dread because there's something lurking in the distance you know getting ready to wreck some shit again but it feels like 
the 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 nature of the live game aspect of Destiny. It's like without going into Destiny three and really just getting into the next real chapter mm-hmm. of like Destiny. There are yeah, all these other sure. things that are happening that have stakes, and it. But yeah. it seems like we're kind and of like treading water and faffing about until yeah. I the stakes think, uh, get real again. Yeah, like I think definitely like last season felt a lot like that in a way that was a real bummer for a lot of people. But I think because like now, like you know, do you remember like the big scary triangles from the end of the vanilla campaign? In yeah, Destiny? that's what I was talking about. Yeah, now one of those is parked on IO, and it just like like one of the first things you see this season in like kind of the first in the story mission that it kind of makes you play is just like it. That thing is just one of them. Is just parked right in the skybox of Io. Like it's it's right there and like the the skyline is like warping around it and like light is bending around it in like a in and it's like physically humongous. Like yeah. We, again like it's it it feels like I mean it, it, it's a little early to say like how what how what this means for like like I'm kind of almost thinking about like this fall like with them removing kind of like the basically removing the vanilla campaign of Destiny 2 and a lot of those early planets it's like this is almost secretly Destiny 3 this fall yeah it's and it's, with this season it feels like they might finally start to be cashing some of those checks that they've been holding on to forever so i definitely agree with the kind of like wheel spinning of like yeah. okay but nothing what when's something going to happen it's not that and there's it feels not- like it's not that there's nothing cool going on in Destiny. It just yeah. it really hasn't felt like the last couple of iterations it's been, have had any it's weight. It's been like, yeah, it's in a lot of ways. It's like the story has been expanding out, but not forward and converging. Yes. yes. And it feels like this season is when it's like I really like what they're doing this season because it feels like they're finally starting to bring these threads together. Like, and in a lot of the stuff this season so far, like Eris is on the on like the radio comms with the drifter who are like so it's like it, you're see it's kind of like um you know kind of the it, i guess it's like kind of the fun parts of like you know the, a marvel movie where like characters team up because it's like you get to see the different personalities like kind of interact and clash and it's we don't really get a lot of that especially between those two characters so i think they're starting to kind of bring those threads together i you know i want to see how it plays out long term but that's mainly what i've been playing a lot of lately and i'm that new dungeon is a blast and i am really excited with some of the story hints that they're dropping because i feel like i think they're gonna address i think they're really starting to be able to cash those checks on the story that they've been holding on to for way too long in my opinion so i read this thing a couple weeks ago i think it was a couple of weeks ago and i think mm-hmm. uh josh had to step away clearly for a moment but i think this is the dichotomy that they were talking about like destiny 2 is no longer for new players or even casual players destiny 2 as bungie has been publishing it is specifically for the active core that logs in does their chores as i like to call them and is looking for something new. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, there are a bunch of casual players. Well, come on, you're coming along for the ride because Destiny have, And it's okay just to call it Destiny at this point because it's still a continuation yeah. of one. Um, it it has its player base. It has established its player base. 
It has already gone free to play. If new people want to come and play it, they are welcome to. But I think the smartest thing Bungie has done lately is just saying, no, we have our core, we have our very dedicated core, we are building this game for them. So, all that good lore stuff, here it is everybody, gobble it up. All that good mechanics that you guys love, mm -hmm. we're tightening them for you. The game is getting a lot more refined for you. Josh probably doesn't even know that swords are in now. You know that. Oh my god. Oh, sword, swords are big time in. <laughs> I tell you. But what if I told you you could skip an entire raid boss by just whacking their hand with swords? I watched someone do that. It, like six people just like. Yep. Just with uh, th what's that light spell that uh, wizards can cast? Uh, well of Radiance. Well of Radiance, yes. And they're all just glowing like Goku. Just smack... Messing someone up with a yeah. sword. And it's like, okay. I, right. uh, the, Riven, the Riven encounter legit is very cool and very well designed. But, uh, hey, man. I just need the 1K voices and just want to do the Queen's Walk and get out of here. So, so it's... Uh, I totally get where someone like Josh is like, uh, I don't... Not to sound dismissive, but... It kind of sounds like Josh is like, eh, I don't care. And that's that's actually okay. Because yeah. Bungie's... The sad reality is Bungie's doing just fine without you. And they actually... It doesn't seem like they have any intent of getting new people. Like, they don't, they don't have a new player I think, plan. I think that's definitely, like... They've said in... Um, in kind of, like, past blog posts and stuff that that's... They... I, I have always thought that Destiny has been, like, a very difficult game to get into... Even like even when I started in Destiny One, mm -hmm. um, and like looking back, I still definitely had no clue what I was doing in Destiny One. The, the, but, uh, the convergence of Warframe and Destiny, it just gets closer and closer every time. Yeah, because you're getting to the point now, especially with everything that they add to Destiny, like that you have to go through to get to some of this late game content. You're getting to the point where you have to have a Sherpa to get you through that beginning because it is so much stuff and it is so yeah impenetrable without somebody to guide you through like at this point warframe and destiny are like they've been the same game for a long time yeah. but it's getting even worse it's like it's definitely <laughs> good that they have like you know pretty well built out communities on like i think the reddit and youtube are helpful but like they need to it it is. They, I think that's definitely something that they, they've said, and I think I, I totally agree that like the new player experience, like if you don't have someone to kind of guide you through, is just overwhelming. Because like yeah. right now, you, if you drop in, you know, everyone like every vendor is going to be flashing with like a kajillion weapon quests. Some of those weapons with like the light level changes are you know not going to be really viable for like end game content going forward but they'll still be very good for any other end game stuff that's already there now, which is like, you're kind of, it's just like, there's so many different little things. Um, and I don't know how you would tutorialize all of that in game, but I think definitely that's, that's something that is, I is hundred percent the weakest part of destiny and is something I think hope they say that they're aware of and are going to be kind of revamping what the new player experience looks like this fall. Especially with which, which makes sense with the Cosmodrome coming back, um, but uh, yeah, that's Mike's uh, Destiny update. Okay, that's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I think that's I've got about it. Hardware. I've got some oh. hardware news. 
Josh, Josh, Josh the, hard minute. Josh. the hardware minute. Please go ahead. Yeah. So uh, there's actually been a lot going on in the 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 hardware tech industry. Uh, one of the biggest things, um, and I'm gonna have to um, try not to gag here, but I do have to speak well of Apple. Um, Apple at its uh, WDC <coughs> announced that. <coughs> that it is moving to its own custom silicon for everything. So their Macs, their MacBooks, everything will be on Apple, their ARM-based processors, you know, things that they've been running in the iPads and iPhones for since 2007, ditching a 10-plus year in relationship with Intel. And personally, I think that this is going to have some pretty big impacts on computing going forward in the next decade with them having such tight control over the platform you know i think we're going to see in performance a potential where the the mac might almost justify its cost over a pc just in the fact that they are going to have such tight control. They are not going to have all the legacy cruft that Intel has. Um, you know, they're going to huh. be able to provide things that compute faster at a lower thermal load. Um, I think Linus Tech Tips did a teardown of the MacBook Air and talking about why it was so bad. And the Intel processor in the current 2020 MacBook Air is not actually, it's, it's just kind of passively cooled. It just has some heat pipes. It doesn't have any fan on it. Huh. But if you look at the TDP of the ARM chip that they're going to put in it in the next year or so, that chip has a TDP that would work with a cooler that is just a couple heat pipes. doesn't need a fan on it. So, like, they've kind of built the chassis of the MacBook Air already with that in mind. Um, Got a question on that. Yes. What the hell are you doing on a MacBook Air that justifies huge heat sinks? I mean, even just doing any sort of, like, processing that hits your core multiple times, like, if you're doing even just light Excel or video and photo editing, like, you I mean, you're, you're going to so, put some load on your processor. Google Chrome is pretty pretty beastly these days, you know. Yes, that is <laughs> true. You put two Chrome tabs up, you're using 80% you're of your cooking, processor. You're baby. Um, yes, um, Mike. I am. I am raising my hand because I would just would like to announce that Eva Online has been officially canceled. Wait, has we it couldn't really? even end the podcast without <laughs> it happening. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, check Twitter. You, wow. You'll see it. There you go. It happened live on the show. Wow! Live, live breaking news from that news that was already broken by other. I told you, else. without Street Fighter, there ain't no Evo. Yeah, that that happened because I'm I'm sure Mortal Kombat didn't do it, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> they well, were gonna go you, on with like, that Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> we here at Mortal Kombat love sexual harassment, so we are sticking it out, folks. Yeah, so. that, that is not parody. Parody. They did not say that. Oh my god, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, and, and four hours ago, Sonic Fox said he wasn't competing because of that. I should have seen that then. That if, like, if you're not gonna have, you can't have Evo without Sonic Fox. Like, come on. Wow. So yeah, that. Uh... That happened live. So, right, the the point where you're supposed to edit in you saying that quick update, you, you can just edit that part out because we don't need it because it happens. Oh, uh, Jesus, Bill um, Clinton is trending on Twitter. Don't click it. Don't click it. Don't click it. Oh, God. And, yeah. <laughs> Please go ahead. Anyways, Josh. <laughs> and, yeah, Apple's moving to custom silicon. I think that other 
manufacturers like namely Microsoft are really going to look at this and, and see how this goes in the next few years because honestly I could see other people ditching x86 and ditching Intel or even AMD processors to get on their own architecture to leave some of that old world cruft behind if they can for some of their higher end devices or their mobile devices just to have more control over the platform one thing i will say and, and i know there is some hesitancy because of apps and stuff that will natively work from ios on the new um arm based mac is hesitation about people who well you know will apple make the walled garden of the macintosh where they cannot load anything off of the you know the app store onto their personal computer. I don't necessarily know that they would go that route, but I'm sure they're thinking about it. Um, the other the other thing I had was just some shady um, internal discussions from Intel. Intel trying to, um, you know, I don't want to say mislead some of their partners, but they're kind of misleading their partners trying to show that they are, quote unquote, so much better than... AMD in gaming and, and other applications when they're not even using like-to-like -like comparisons. So, you know, in one slide they showed a laptop um, and uh, just some gaming performance where they're saying like, oh, in these games, the Intel 10th gen platform performs, you know, 20 to 25% better. Um, and in a very, very small area, they're like, oh, both of these laptops had RTX 2060 cards. Uh, the thing they fail to mention is um, the graphics card in the Intel platform is a full fat 2060 with a like 70 watt TDP while the AMD one is a mobile version that hasn't gone through this refresh and only has like a 45 watt TDP so like you know if the graphics card doesn't have the same output then obviously the, the, the performance is going to be different because the graphics card is different like it, it just um and they do some other things where like they they talk about some areas where they are quote unquote better than ryzen but they are not using some of the most up-to-date ryzen chips or they're not using the most actually accurate representations of things that people use on a day-to-day -day basis um and it's just one of those situations where i think intel is feeling the the burn of Ryzen and, and AMD on their heels, stealing their market share. And instead of saying like, hey, here are areas where we are not winning and here are areas we are winning, they're just clutching at any straw to say like, no, 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 we're still relevant. We're still relevant. Trust us. 14 nanometer mm -hmm. plus, 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 plus is going to be amazing. Plus, and plus, 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 plus. I want to say that they're like their newest chips are like 14 nanometer plus, plus at least, if not plus, plus, plus. Like it's Come on, guys. Get to 10 nanometers already. What does the already. plus mean? I mean, you know, they're just improving on 14 nanometer because they can't get to 10 even though AMD's already on 7. Yeah. And AMD got to 10 like in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The, the Ryzen 3000 series are 7 nanometer. And, you know, there's some rumors that 4000 could go even smaller. So, like, come on, guys. Pick it up. So, yeah. The... The, the chip marketplace has not been this interesting in a decade and now in the last few years like it is like it's anybody's ball game like it's all up in the air so 
Remember the days where you bought AMD because it was cheap, but you knew the Intel cards were always better? Those were yeah. the days. Now it's an actual race again, and I, yeah. I can appreciate that. I mean, if you want to get really crazy in ARM news, like there, there is a there's a silicon startup that's actually getting ready to. Um, They're launch, announcing like, silicon two. A a one hundred and twenty eight <laughs> core, um, you know, server processor. Like, you know, they they already have some like eighty core variants that are getting ready to come out, and you know, they're all ARM based and and running in server farms, and like some big big names in server industries are like you know taking orders and and really interested in this so like the the processor world is it's it's all up for grabs right now so it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next it's been interesting and it'll be interesting to see what continues to happen in this fascinating world especially with the rumored ryzen 4000 series launching this year so that was not a tech minute that was a tech seven minutes well, you know what? There's a lot That's of tech. I, I, I'm happening. joking. There's a lot I'm of tech joking. out there. That's. A lot I'm of tech. joking. I'm joking. I could keep going. <laughs> I know. We need like a separate, uh, a separate 30 minute podcast, much like Mike Just, has his creed got robbed. Josh has like, Josh's tech minute, and it's literally like a two hour long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think that settles it for the night, boys. With, yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap up. With Evo I, being canceled immediately, wow, they did yeah. do just do that. Yeah. Oh, there is. I'm sick of fireworks, but you know what I'm not sick of? Oh, here we go. What's that? Following unscripted gaming everywhere on the internet, so you can get up to date information on when new oh, podcasts so are released. You can follow us on YouTube at Unscripted Gaming. You can follow us on Facebook to search Unscripted Gaming on twitter at unscript underscore gaming you can get us on google play you can get us on apple you can get us on stitcher you can get us on pocket cash you can get us on soundcloud anywhere get us in your ears also unscriptedgaming.com you can get us everywhere you want to be so thank you for listening to unscripted gaming my name is josh my name is ray my name is mike peace